And hello, everyone, and welcome to our program, The Truth Will Set You Free, Bible Prophecy TV Radio Edition. I'm Vic Batista, along with my co-host, Nathan Jones, and we thank you all for tuning in to our program today as we are going to be talking about the seven people of the seven churches of Revelation as we talk about Thea from Thyatira. But, of course, we encourage you to follow along with us in this incredible study. And before we continue, I'm going to ask my co-host, Nathan Jones, if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord, we ask that you open up your word for our understanding, Lord. Uh, teach us what you will have us know. Bless all those uh, tuned in, Lord, that they may grow in their relationship with you. And we thank you in your precious and wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Again, you're tuning into the Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy TV Radio Edition with Big Batista and Nathan Jones as we will be in Revelation 3 talking about the seven people of the seven churches. But before we continue, I'm going to welcome my co-host, Nathan Jones. Nathan, it's great to have you on the program once again. Hey, brother. Always great to be teaching the Bible with you. And well, Nathan, we've been having a wonderful time uh, through this uh, series in Revelation chapter 3, and today we have another exciting program. But before we continue, Nathan, can you talk to us a little bit about the ministry, again, that you're involved with, just in case someone is new and maybe they don't have your contact information or know much about the ministry that you're involved with? Certainly. Well, again, my name is Nathan Jones. I'm the Internet Evangelist with Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're a Bible prophecy teaching ministry whose mission it is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. And we do that through a number of different ways, primarily through our television show, Christ in Prophecy, with Dr. David Reagan. You can catch him and me on television each week on all your major Christian networks and online. Uh, just check us out, ChristinProphecy.org or LambLion.com. Well, thank you so much, Nathan Jones. And of course, Nathan, we always like to encourage individuals that, hey, if they're open to uh, having uh, you be able to visit them as, a web, as an evangelist, you're open to do that as well. Yes, uh, not only am I the Internet evangelist, whereas the Internet is my pulpit and the three billion plus people there, you know, my audience, uh, as you and I both do this together, of course. Uh, but also I, I do speak at churches and conferences and uh, write books and articles. And we have our blog at Christ in Prophecy blog.org. You can check that out as well. And uh, we've got uh, just all sorts of resources on our website. We want you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And you can do that through our website. Lots of free materials, videos, and we've got DVDs and other things as well. So check us out, lamblion.com or christinprophecy.org. Thank you so much, Nathan, for sharing that information. And of course, those of you that are tuning into the program, again, you have to check out this incredible site. It's just filled with wonderful, wonderful information. It's like going to a university uh, for free with all the wonderful resources that are there. So, Nathan, thank you for sharing those wonderful resources. And uh, again, Nathan, you and I have taught uh, through many um, uh, different uh parts of the book of Revelation, uh, book of Daniel, just pretty much through all the Bible in terms of Bible prophecy. But we always come back to, again, these incredible messages that God intended uh, for the church. And that is what we are, we've are we been covering in, in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, as we title these uh, series of messages, The Seven People of the Seven Churches. And you and I have been talking about, Nathan, that the book of Revelation, the, the messages are personal. This is not written just for people maybe thousands of years ago, but these are things that are relevant for today, for today's listeners and viewers. Would you agree? I would absolutely agree. And uh, <laughs> it's funny that when you said Revelation and other series we've taught, Boy, you and I have about 10 years worth of teachings that we've done together. <laughs> On the Christ and Prophecy Journal blog, I'm I'm going through our first Thessalonians series. So, uh, wow, you think we've been doing this for 10 years off and on. But uh, yes, primarily we've discussed Bible prophecy. And now we are in the book of Revelation. Uh, 
a book that Revelation chapter 1, verse 3 promises a blessing if you read the book and take it to heart. And now we are into the seven letters to the seven churches. There are seven letters that Jesus Christ gave through the Apostle John to seven physical churches in Asia Minor, which is now Turkey. Uh, but what the messages were given to them the were, are applicable to us today. They're also applicable to certain time periods. So uh, we can learn a lot from these messages. Absolutely. And Nathan, and it's a very exciting, and we hope that those that are tuned in would uh, look at this as a personal message from the Lord Jesus uh, brought about uh, for each one of them. So Nate, as we continue making our way, let's, uh, let's dive into the, uh, the, the uh, next uh, message there to, uh, we, we talked about Thea of Thyatira, starting there in the book of Revelation chapter 2, verse 18, as we continue in this verse-by-verse -verse, uh, study. If you could take us through those opening verses, that would be fantastic. Okay, well, this is the fourth of the seven churches. We've done Ephesus, we've gone to Smyrna, we've been to Pergamum or Pergamos, and now we're in Thyatira. And you can find that if you turn to Revelation chapter 2. And you begin with verse 18, and it goes for the rest of the chapter. Do you want me to read the entire thing, Vic, or do you want to break it up into pieces? Yeah, Nathan, I thought we'll break it up into the first three verses, and then we'll take the following three. I think that would be fantastic. Okay, well, 18 through 20 reads, And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things, says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass, I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works... The last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. Wow. You know, Nathan, uh, as I look at this, also 21 then says, and I gave her time to, of her, to repent from her sexual immorality and she did not repent. So we find, Nathan, that, again, the Lord comes out with a message, and it's a message that is uh, sort of like tailored to what each church uh, for that time period uh, was going through, and even to today. Can you talk to us a little bit about the background there? What was happening? What was going on? Okay, well, the church, uh, each church has a personality, like a person. And here, Thyatira was represented by a uh, dark, pagan-type atmosphere. Now, the Lord commends each of these churches if they have something commendable. One church does not, but this one says, hey, this is the Son of God. We know it's Jesus Christ. The description is from Revelation chapter 1. Uh, eyes like flame of fire, feet like brass. We're seeing Jesus here in his glorified, resurrected form. And he commends the church. He says, hey, I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, your patience. And matter of fact, when it comes to works, you know, he commends him, the last or more in your first. You do a lot of good works in the name of Jesus Christ. And so this is how he starts with each of the churches. He commends them for what they're doing right. So this church is hard at work. They're, they're like the social justice warriors of today. They're out there meeting the physical needs of the people. But, and this is what Jesus has against the church, and this was a real town called Thyatira, is that what they did is they accepted false pagan doctrine to start infiltrating their church. Uh, and he mm. exemplifies that or symbolizes that with Jezebel. Now, Jezebel, as you all know, Ahab and Jezebel back in the Old Testament, Jezebel was a um, Philistine, and she brought in, uh, well, Phoenician, I should say, and she brought in the pagan worship of Baal 
Baal was a considered the thunder god. He was also the uh, land and fertility, and they did horrible sexual sacrifices to this god. And the Jewish people then started incorporating Baal worship into worship of Yahweh God. And that's what this church is doing. It's beginning to incorporate the pagan teachings of the Roman Empire and other pagan empires, other pagan cultures into Christianity. And this was wrong. Now, one of the things that identifies Baal worship that Jezebel brought into Israel was two things, sexual immorality and idol worship. So here the, the people were supposed to be worshiping Yahweh God, going to Jerusalem, going to the temple, giving a sacrifice. And at the same time, they're going to their own pagan temples, having sex with prostitutes and, and, and sacrificing food to idols, totally against the second, first and second commandments. Nathan, that's a very good point, because uh, as we look again at this message, we, we the reason why we personalize it is because, Nathan, sometimes we think, well, can that possibly also be happening in our modern day churches, that individuals are actually involved in sexual immorality? And Nathan, you would agree with me that we see a lot of the same practices today. You know, I've, I've known a lot of pastors over the years and some obviously stay on the straight and narrow, but some have compromised. Uh, I knew one pastor went on a tour of Israel, and he went from room to room with the ladies in his congregation each night. And it was just perfectly fine and normal to them. Uh, you know, it, sexual immorality has infiltrated quite a, a lot of churches where it's we're seeing homosexuality being accepted in more and more denominations. We're seeing gay and lesbian bishops and cardinals being brought wow. into positions. We're seeing support of the idol worship to Molech. Molech was an idol at the time where they would do child sacrifice, and we're seeing child sacrifice with churches openly endorsing abortion. Uh, you know, we're seeing this pagan influence. And what happened is, is if you look at Thyatira, not only as just a town in Turkey at that time, but as a representation of the overall church time period over right. the last thousand years, Thyatira represents the dark pagan period from 590 to about 1517 when the papacy, the pope, developed and the church became full of Babylonian occult and practices. So the Babylonian religions were merged into the Greek Empire, which then merged into the Roman Empire. And when Constantine legalized Christianity in 312 and brought Christianity as the main religion of the Roman Empire, the Romans didn't get rid of their pagan religion. They just incorporated it into Christianity. And what we get is the Roman Catholic Church, a church that is very good with works. I mean, the Catholic Church is probably, it puts us poor Protestants to shame, the amount of good works they do in helping the poor, the needy, the blind, the food, uh, the mission work, stuff like that. But, and this is what the Lord has against them, they weren't worshiping the Lord alone. They were bringing in the worship of saints and the veneration of Mary and the infallibility of the Pope, and false doctrines like purgatory and indulgences and transubstantiation, all these big words, but words that are, are, have nothing to do with the Bible. They brought Babylonian occultic practices into Christianity, and that's where we get, sadly, the Roman Catholic Church then and now. Hmm, Nathan, let me tell you, that that is hitting home. I mean, this is not uh, something that we can take lightly. I mean, w w there's a... a 
a price to pay. Uh, there's a lot of accountability when you're when you're in a role of a, a minister, if you will, leading God's people. And when someone is committing sexual immorality, imagine somebody else in the congregation finds out that from a leader. They're probably going to think, well, I guess if they're doing it, it's okay for me to do it as well. You probably remember, I know we were rather young then, but back in the 80s when all these ministers were falling due to having sexual relations, especially the televangelists, that was the worst. Remember, they'd fall into some sexual sin, uh, they would deny it, eventually they would uh, have to repent, they'd get on TV, you know, they're bawling their eyes out, and then immediately I was like, well, you know, I can't believe these people, they're immoral. We see that with the Catholic Church, too, as you know, we get all these priests that are being accused of molesting boys and the the cardinals aren't doing anything about it. And so again and again, it ruins the testimony. All the good works that, that this church in Thyatira was doing were pointless because the people were, the pagan people were looking at them saying, what difference are you compared to us? We're just as pagan as you are. Why should I come to Jesus Christ? Wow, Nathan. And, uh, and, uh, and you're right. And, you know, some people get mixed up. Some churches get mixed up. They think that their good works uh, is going to outweigh uh, their sinful behavior. But yet here uh, we recognize in verse 19, it says, I know your works, love, service, faith, your patience. I mean, boy, the list goes on, right? And and it says, as for your, your works, the last were more than the first. And that's where people get thrown off. Some people actually, because they feel, well, I'm tithing, I'm serving, I'm going to church, I'm serving God's people. Uh, a little sin here and there, a little, it's not a big deal, but yet God calls them out. This is not the behavior of a Christian. This is not the behavior of a leader or a pastor. We know God forgives sin, but man, what a black eye that gives to Christianity. Like you said, when a minister or a pastor falls, yes, they can repent. The Lord might restore them or the Lord can restore them. But the damage that is done, Nathan, that's not, that's not easily cleaned up. Well, you see this uh, when it comes to when people lose their study of the Bible, uh, a, a mysticism comes in. During, this is If we look at the Church of Thyatira as representation of the Dark Ages, the Medieval Ages, it was a time of great illiteracy, a time where only the, the priests, the monks could read and knew what the Bible said. And they would teach their congregations in Latin, which, you know, the common man didn't speak. They, so the common man had no idea what the Bible was saying. And so what they did is they started forming a works-based salvation, which you can see all the way up in the Catholic Church even today, a idea that, well, I don't understand the Bible, therefore I'm just going to do what the pagans do. If I have enough good works, I'll get into heaven. And if I don't have enough works, I'm going to that other place. Uh, but that is not what the Bible teaches. So we see that when there's the lack of the study of the Bible, mysticism and the occult start seeping into the church. And brother... Even in our own day, as we see the churches being so seeker-sensitive, dumbing down the Bible, staying at a 100 level, uh, as the people have, even though we have Bibles all over the place, they're not reading them like they used to, they're not studying them that, like they used to, and we're getting dumber and dumber as a Christian culture when it comes to the Bible. And what do we do yes. then? We, as spiritual children that never grow up, we start letting immorality into our lives, particularly yeah. sexual immorality. You look at any of the Barna polls that come through, it's shocking to see what Christians believe now when it comes to the Bible. Uh, most of them, uh, I think it was like 60-some percent, believe that that sex outside of marriage was okay. And this is people that call themselves Bible-believing Christians. Wow. So sexual immorality, sex outside of marriage, uh, 
they're putting idols in their lives, and we're not talking about little statues and things, but materialism is an idol. Uh, hedonism is an idol. Money is an idol. Gluttony is an idol. Self is an idol. And we've put those idols before God, breaking the first commandment. So well, a lot of what we see going on in the Thyatira church could be applicable to our churches today. Yeah, Nathan. And, you know, we have someone maybe that is tuned in, they're listening, and maybe they found themselves in a similar situation, bound by the lies of the enemy and sexual immorality. Well, listen, we want to talk to you. There, there is good news. The truth is, if you repent, if you uh, pay attention to the message here, the Lord can restore you. The Lord loves you. He has a wonderful plan for your life. As a matter of fact, we do these programs to make you aware of what has happened in the past so you don't fall and stumble into these situations. But the grace of God covers all sin. The church of Jesus Christ is supposed to live as an example for others. We should not be in, indulging in the things of the world because that's what brings about God's judgment and confusion. You know, Nathan, a lot of this, of course, some people, maybe they might feel a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe they messed up. Maybe they are a pastor listening or a leader. But the idea is that, you know, God, God still loves you. God loves his church. But God will also correct and discipline the church because he doesn't want any sin in the church. Uh, it's almost like what happened in the book of Acts chapter 5 with Ananias and Sapphira, right, Nathan? Sometimes the Lord has to come in there and, you know, show a little bit of his uh, his 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 hand of <laughs> of uh, of power when it comes to sin. You bring up a great point. Right. Ananias and Sapphira were a couple in the very early church. They had sold land and they were going to donate to the church. That sounds great. But when they got time to donating it, they lied how much they were given and they kept back. They literally lied to the Holy Spirit. And Peter held them accountable for it. And the Holy Spirit took their lives. Likewise, Jesus says to the church in Thyatira, if you want to pick up here in verse 22, he says, Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. And I'll give to each one of you according to your works. Mm -hmm. Nathan, that's that's I, I love that because right there. Uh, I mean, we see the justice of God. In other words, I like that because according, accordingly, in other words, God knows the heart of every individual, every situation, and he's going to deal with it righteously. Absolutely. Uh, the Lord cannot let sin go unpunished. And so he, but he gives people time to repent, right? I mean, it's not like he yeah. isn't warning them that, hey, you know, this is your problem. I've identified it. Now it's time to say, hey, wait a minute. I shouldn't do that anymore. Repent. But if you refuse to repent, if you refuse to turn to the Lord and you continue to live in your sin, then the Lord brings judgment into your life, difficulties and trials to get us to focus back on him, always for the purpose of reconciliation. But even if mm. you refuse that, then the Lord is done with you. There is a point where he's done with you. And as we learn in verse 23 here, it, that's where he, he will kill them. They, they will face death. That's pretty pretty harsh when you think about it, but that's the penalty for sin. Yes, Nathan, absolutely. And and we, we you know, Nathan, so God forgives uh, sins, but there are certain things that we bring upon ourselves uh, and uh, we have to deal with that. I'm reminded also, Nathan, of the story of Samson uh, and Delilah. Uh, again, a lot of lost potential there, right, Nathan? Yeah, Samson was given the Holy Spirit of God to lead the Israelites during the time of the judges. The Lord gave him super strength. He was the Schwarzenegger uh, or the rock now of his time period. <laughs> 
and uh, he could do amazing feats of strength, like rip whole giant gates off of, of city walls and kill a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey and all. But his Achilles heel, his kryptonite, was women. And when any time he fell for a pagan woman, they dragged him down until Delilah was hired to seduce him, find out the secret of his strength, which is a vow he made to God. He broke that vow. He lost that strength. And this is what's happened to the church. When we break our vow to God, our commitment to make the Lord our Savior, then we are breaking our vow to God, and then he will hold us accountable. We will lose our strength as a church, as a Christian, and eventually yeah. judgment comes to wake us up and get us back with him. And that's actually what's great about these letters to the churches is that the Lord then says not only what happens to those who refuse to repent, but for those who repent. And he gives it this in verse 24. He says, Now to you I say, and to the rest of Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they I will put on you no other burden. But hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels. As I also have received from my father, I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Mm. Nathan, that is that is fantastic because, again, we see this is a, a powerful, powerful message that the Lord is bringing about. And, and of course, at this time, too, we want to talk to you. Maybe you are that uh, Thea from Thyatira. Maybe you're falling into a sexual temptation, sexual sin, or maybe some of you are actually guilty of causing others uh, to stumble. Well, again, what, what should we do? What can we do? Well, the Bible is clear. The Bible says, repent, turn from your sins Turn to the Lord, and he will forgive you while there is still time. Nathan, also, I mean, we're talking here about this verse in verse 22 that sometimes people ask that question. Well, what does that mean? They're going to be cast into the great tribulation. Can you talk to us about that, Nate? Well, I, you have to wonder if this is talking about the great tribulation, which is the second half of the seven-year tribulation where God will judge the earth for its sins. That's a future time period. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, the, this verse seems to indicate that he's not talking about a time period, but into great tribulation as in the tribulations of life. Uh, uh, I'm not sure this verse, uh, you may disagree with me, but I don't think this verse is particularly talking about the tribulation, which you read about in the remainder of, uh, chapters of Revelation, but that the Lord will get, bring great difficulty into this church's life, into your lives, if they refuse to repent. And the opposite side, if if you hold strong to the faith, you haven't fallen for this idolatry and the sexual morality and all, then he promises that you will rule and reign with him in his millennial kingdom. When the king of the universe comes, the morning star, as it says in verse 28, when he rules and reigns, then believers in Christ will rule and reign with him. What a promise. You can choose the worthlessness of sin and face death forever, or you can change and stay faithful to the Lord and repent and then he will give you rulership over the earth with him. Uh, <laughs> what a difference. I mean, really, what a difference. No, and Nathan, I happen to agree with you. I think that's that's right on. I thank you for sharing that because we notice here, again, sometimes people get that great tribulation uh, there, and there's different commentators regarding that, but I think looking at it uh, in terms of the flow of the message to the churches, that this is, again, uh, 
saying to the people, you know, uh, there's calamities, there's challenges when people sin. Uh, one one book, Nathan, that um, I'm going through right now that is going to be part of a program with my wife as we do the program, The Pastor's Perspective, uh, is a book actually written by Tim LaHaye. And most people know Tim LaHaye primarily for Bible prophecy teaching, but they forget that he was a pastor for over 40 years. And oh, Nathan, yeah. he wrote this, yeah, he wrote this incredible book. It's called if ministers fall, can they be restored? And we're going to be uh, opening up that book because there, I mean, it lines up a lot with what we're talking about. When we fall into sin, when we compromise, the effects, not only that it has personally, but to our churches, our wives, our friends, and all those around us. And God does forgive sin, but the sting of our, our fault and our mess up goes a long way. Well, that's so right. The very first book I ever read of Tim LaHaye had nothing to do with the Left Behind series of Bible prophecy. It was the book that my wife and I used in our premarital counseling before we got married. And uh, that's how I first ran into the Dr. LaHaye. I got to, you and I, of course, have met him in person together when he came to the pre-trib conference, which he started. And that was a neat right. experience. But yeah, it, uh, you know, I, I feel for you pastors because you guys are out there. Uh, with the people that you've got temptations left and right as you're helping other people to overcome theirs. Uh, I was watching Dr. Jeremiah's Overcomers series yesterday, and Dr. Jeremiah had joked that uh, the only thing you can do when temptation comes your way is put on your Adidas and run away. (laughs) (laughs) And that is true, brother. You pastors, especially when it comes to sexual temptation, you know, you're counseling vulnerable women, or people look up to you and respect you. They want you in their lives, be, uh, other than as a pastor, because you you represent all the goodness that they wish they had. And that, man, that's tempting. So God bless you and Maureen for staying firm in the Lord and being great examples to your church. No, Nathan, keep us in prayer. And that's why we pray for, for ministers out there. We pray for church leaders. We pray for Christians at large because we have a target in our backs and the enemy's trying to bring us down. And that's why this message to this church is so timely for our time that we should not compromise. We should not give in to sexual sins, that we should seek to live pure, live pure lives and, and be those examples. And maybe you're out there and you don't have the power of God yet because you don't have a relationship with him. We want to share with you right now briefly how you can start that relationship with the Lord so that the Lord will give you the strength to live the Christian life that he has for you. So Nathan, in our closing minute, will you be able to share with that individual that maybe doesn't have a relationship with the Lord, how they can come to Christ even right now? Certainly, certainly. Well, take the advice that Jesus gave the church at Thyatira. Thea from Thyatira, repent. What does repent mean? It means turning 180 degrees away. It's changing from one direction to another. Change from the direction of sexual morality, of of idol worship, of self-worship, and turn the other way to Jesus Christ. And you do that by repenting, not only that, of your sins. where You don't want to be a sinner anymore. And we need the help of the Holy Spirit to heal us of that sin nature. So pray from your heart something like, Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and be my Lord and Savior. And Jesus promises he will do just that. Your sins will be forgiven and forgotten. The guilt of your that sin will be off you. And you will inherit the promise of ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ forever and living in his home, heaven, through all eternity. What a great blessing the Lord has given us through his death on the cross. Mm. 
Absolutely. What a wonderful uh, time to celebrate. So maybe you just turn to Christ uh, with a simple invitation by Nathan Jones. We would love to hear from you. Reach out to us. We would love to pray with you. We would like to send you a Bible and celebrate with you. As the Bible says that when one sinner repents, there's a celebration uh, in heaven for that individual that's turned to Christ. So we want to congratulate you on starting that wonderful relationship with the Lord. Uh, so Nathan, again, incredible messages uh, to the people of the churches. Would you agree? I'd agree. And we still have three more after this one. That's right. So we hope for those of you that maybe just tuned in, catch our other programs as we hope to continue in this series, looking at Revelation chapter two and three messages for the seven people of the seven churches. And like the Bible says here, whoever has an ear to hear, uh, let him hear. So we encourage you to read through the book of Revelation because there is a special blessing for those that read this book, those that hear and those that take it to heart. So Nathan, again, an amazing, amazing journey that we're in. And like always, Nathan, because we ran out of time for this segment of the program, I want to thank you so much for being part of our program, being our co-host and just helping us open up these incredible scriptures to our viewers and listeners. So it's great to have you on. Great blessing. Thank you for having me on, Vic. Thank you, Nathan. Of course, for those of you that are part of our program, we've ran out of time uh, for this segment uh, of the program, but we hope that you can continue to uh, catch the programs. Make sure that you follow us on social media, Facebook, and follow the, uh, the, the, the teachings there as well. And of course, reach out to us if you're in need of prayer. We would love to pray with you. But may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. We hope you have a wonderful week. Keep your eyes up. The Lord is coming back very, very soon.